making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canada journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics, as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. El Gates, welcome to the Trapes and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Good morning, how are you? Good. So I'm going to read your bio for people who are not as familiar with you. (laughs) Al Gibbs is the Director, Media and Communications at People with Disabilities Australia, the National Disability Rights Organization. PWDA is run by and for people with disability, and Elle is a proud disabled person. She is also an award-winning writer focused on disability and other social issues, Uh, and spends too much time on Twitter, apparently. (laughs) I sure do. ...you from Washington, D.C. in the United States. And so I was interested in some of the articles that you wrote about regarding tourists and immigrants, um, you know, by the government. How has the Australian government tried to block people with disabilities from coming to Australia? Um, Give us some examples. And is this still the case today? Yep. So Australia has a very long and shameful racist history in terms of immigration. Um, At our very federation, we formed what is called the White Australia Policy, which is just a disgrace. So um, this is not something that comes out of the blue or is new. Um, Australia's white settler kind of community and culture has has significant racist uh, backgrounds firstly against Aboriginal people, including Aboriginal people with disability, who are our First Nations people. Um, But we've had long-standing barriers for people with disability trying to immigrate to Australia, Um, and that's in every respect. So tourists, everything, skilled visa holders, permanent migration. Um, Australia has decided that we only want uh, able-bodied Uh, immigrants to come to Australia. So we have really strict rules and they're called the, I think it's the healthcare cost. Uh, So basically the immigration department puts an arbitrary figure on what a person coming to Australia might cost our health system or our disability support system in the future, like whether it's real or not, or whether that will ever happen or not. Um, And if they decide that is too much, which they usually always do, then that person and their family can't come to Australia. Um, And so we've seen some really awful cases where people who have been permanent residents in Australia have children, for example, and if one of those children has disability, um, they are then, their permanent visas are cancelled and they're told they have to leave Australia. Um, And so we've seen families split up. We've seen people, um, you know, go temporarily outside of Australia for various reasons to visit family and then not allowed back tourists not allowed to come and visit uh, and yeah so there was a huge review in 2012 and um, the now opposition government um, changed the rules a little bit so that people who were seeking asylum in Australia who were people with disability were allowed to come which is a really good thing because many refugees and people seeking asylum are people with disability um, but uh, we haven't seen any wider changes to that um, 
there started to be a little bit of a shift, but Australia has a really problematic and, in my opinion, racist uh, immigration system, particularly for uh, people who are not rich. <laughs> so we often have, um, if you're well off and you can pay a lot of money and come in as a skilled migrant, um, there's not as many restrictions on you as if you are seeking asylum. So um, it's it's a very problematic and I think uh, problematic way to view disability. And Australia is one of the few countries in the world that does this. So the next topic is not only important to the disability community, but also um, everybody, able-bodied, people with disabilities, people who are color, um, you know, and so it's climate change. So you wrote climate change is having an impact on everyone, um, including disabled people, but we are often excluded from discussions about mitigation or, ad or adaptation measures, let alone included for our expertise. So my question is, why do you think this is the case and how can we include more people with disabilities in these climate change discussions? Well, you've picked a topic extremely close to my heart, so thank you for that. Um, so I'm sure you all saw the terrible bushfires that we had uh, over the summer. I think uh, the world did. So where I live in the Blue Mountains, we had fires to the north and to the south of my town, and they got extremely close. So they were about a kilometre from my house, and um, we had about six weeks of living in that appalling smoke um, and the thick kind of orange glow uh, of the town over December and January. And it was an extremely difficult time for many people. Um, but one of the things that, that I do as part of uh, the fire kind of in my community and one of the things that I'm part of is that I'm one of, I have helped out in a, a volunteer Facebook group. It's now quite large. It's like 20,000 people um, talking about fire information and, you know, gathering information and disseminating that to our community and making sure that people have what they need. So they, that's an example of one of the things that I was talking about where People with disability, we're really good at lots of different things. Like, I can't fight fires. Like, no, like, there's nothing, there's no chance that I can fight a fire. But I'm really good at information and I'm really good at, at communication. So, um, and getting information out to people and doing it in an accurate and uh, kind of quick way. So, they're one of the things that I can do. So, often we talk about people with disability as you know, vulnerable, and I'm doing the, the air quotes, um, because I really dislike that word. We're seen often as passive, needing of rescue or needing of help, whereas I actually think that we are, you know, pretty resilient and we're incredibly good uh, problem solvers. So uh, I know, don't know, but you, I'm sure you do exactly the same thing, but when we're needing to go somewhere or do something, we're like, right, how do I do this? Uh, okay, that doesn't work. I've got to try and figure out a different way of doing this. And they're amazing skills that we're going to need to deal with climate change So, um, and to build resilient communities around that. So we're really good at, uh, you know, working together to solve a problem in helping each other out, um, knowing how to do all of that stuff. Um, uh, so the same kind of skills that we use during the fires, we also use during COVID-19. So we set up a, a Facebook uh, information clearinghouse for people with disability and chronic illness um, to talk about what they needed during the pandemic and using some of those same skills and sharing resources, uh, skilling each other up, um, learning how to do stuff together. Um, and so what we've been arguing for 
both to the government. Um, I mean, we were part of the climate strike last year and we are really concerned that people with disability will be significantly impacted by climate change. So um, we're keen to have a place at the table. So that's everywhere. So that's with government, but also with environmentalists. Like quite often, environmentalists don't even think about us when they're talking about climate change, apart from a byline like, oh yeah, that'll impact on people with disability. Um, but I want to I want to see that the table for us is equals. You know, we have a place in mitigation, in resilience, and in recovery when it comes to disasters, including climate change. So, in one of your articles, you talked about plastic straws. Um, you wrote, you wrote, this isn't the first time that environmental campaigns have ignored the needs of disabled people. So, my question to you is: besides banning plastic straws, how else has environmentalists ignored people with disabilities in terms of the needs, in terms of their uh, specific particular uh, needs? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, one of the things that came up during the fires was the particular impacts that smoke was having on people. So how could we actually do things like distribute masks, um, doing all of that kind of stuff? Because many disabled people have issues with breathing and respiratory issues. So desperately needed, you know, masks and, and air purifiers and, you know, knowledge of how to keep smoke out of their house. Now, that wasn't present in any of the kind of environmental discussions around, the, um, you know, climate change and the fires. Uh, and so there was a lot of organising that disabled people did ourselves. So different groups in different cities got together and basically organised masks and bought things and distributed things and made sure that knowledge was available. So um, I think that, you know, plastic straws is a really good example because it became iconic in our community in terms of just not being listened to. And I think the pandemic has shown that uh, you know, single-use plastics are really important for hygiene and all of the stuff that, I don't know, we've been talking about for about four years. So um, it, it's been, uh, uh, not amusing because that's the wrong word, but slightly eye-rolling to, to read people suddenly go, oh, it's really important that we have single-use plastics and uh, perhaps that's actually uh, what we need to do. So um, I think one of the things that I also worry about a lot is when we're talking about things like uh, the transition around power that we're going to need to do. So moving from coal-fired and gas-fired power to renewable, how do we make sure that people who live in different kinds of housing can get access to renewable and cheap power? So things like um, in Australia in the private rental market, so if someone's a tenant, like me, I'm a tenant, um, I can't just go and put solar panels on my roof. So um, I'm still paying for expensive coal-fired power. Uh, so how do we make sure that things around electricity, for example, are democratised in a way that um, people with disability are going to be able to benefit? So, um, And I also think there's, there's some cool things coming, like electric cars and driverless cars and all of that kind of stuff. I think there's opportunities for that to benefit, but it needs to go make sure it doesn't just go to the well-off. Um, you know, in Australia, 50% of people with disability live in poverty. And so issues around climate are related to poverty as well. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Global on Wheels, please visit trapesandglobalonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. 
And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, both with handles Trapes and Global on Wheels, and then also LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. We sincerely appreciate your support, and we'll catch you again next time.